beautiful time of worship that was, yeah? It feels like a, like a, like a celebration moment. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's fitting, it's appropriate, because we've been going through this predestination in the issue, and actually I want to seal it up uh, today, God willing. Yeah, I want to, God. <laughs> we seal it up. <laughs> we seal it up. We are, we are ready for the worship testimony next Sunday, you know. Uh, but actually, as we seal up, and I, I, mean, I don't know, maybe we'll start on this, maybe we'll put a pause and continue next year. I don't know what's going to happen. But I think it, it does feel like uh, there's something to celebrate. Having gone through this uh, predestination teaching, I think there's something to celebrate. Um, so it feels like a culmination of the process. Uh, it feels like, uh, you know, a moment where we've reached the summit uh, of the mountain that God has been causing us to ascend, this mountain of predestination, and uh, that we are now in a time to really celebrate and, and, um, and yeah, celebrate God, celebrate his word, celebrate his plans for our lives, celebrate the fact that I actually felt like, and even as we were worshiping and praising, there was a, an element of victory. Did you feel that? Yeah, I think I think victory is the word. Victory after a military, um, you know, battlefield. That's how I felt like during that, um, uh, you know, praise and as we worship. Yeah, it felt like the word I could use to describe that is is the word victory. And I think we thank God for that. And and victory, uh, a culmination of a process, um, a reaching of a summit after a process of ascending a hill of the hill of the Lord. Um, as we have been walking through this teaching on, on predestination and God leading us in the Spirit of God, it's been an open tap, and it is, it remains an open tap. But the Bible does say that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And so inside of God working with us and through us and, and releasing things and having us proclaim his things, we, we have the space and room to administer and that's, that's an amazing thing, is this sovereign God gives you and I the space, the room to administer his flows. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Uh, you know, uh, in that worship, we could just worship and continue worshiping and praising, but the spirit of the prophet is subject to the, to the prophet. God gives us room and space and opportunity, um, almost like a leeway, like, like to negotiate, to, to say, hey, God, you know, we, we are, we are co-creating with you here. Uh, we want to do that worship testimony next Sunday. So we need to put this predestination teaching in a, to some conclusion. But actually, I did feel that. I did, I did feel during worship and praise that there was a sense of victory. And I think we thank God for that. I do want to thank God for that. You know? Father God, I want to thank you for the feeling of victory. The victory after... Uh, a, a military battlefield, a victory, a sense of conquest in the spirit that, that you have been with us and have been working with us. And this is beginning of December, inside of 2022. We've seen signs, wonders, and miracles in various ways and forms. We've seen you show up in our lives. And, and inside of this moment today, there was a, a unique flavor in the atmosphere, a sense of victory a sense of conquest, a sense of God putting to rest, you know, some battles that, you know, he's allowed to come into our lives. 
that he's allowed them for a season. And that even as we've said that we want to conclude this year consolidated, we want to con conclude this year refreshed, we want to conclude this year stirred up for 2023. And, and we thank you that that's exactly what is happening inside of our hearts. And so we celebrate today, even as we proclaim the word, even as we seal up this predestination teaching, we pray, God, that you will seal things in our hearts, that, Lord, there will be a sense of resolution um, as, as we listen to your word, as the word is proclaimed, that, oh God, where there's been areas that are frayed, those things will be um, consolidated in our hearts, that we'll come to a place, we'll feel that we've come to a place of safety in God. Uh, of protection in God, of conclusion in God, of, of resolution in God. And so we thank you, Spirit of God, that, that you are leading this much into the depths of, of your love, of your word, of your purposes, of your kingdom. And we thank you that each one of us is marked and sealed for the things of God. And so bless us as we continue to proclaim your word this afternoon in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. So we've had a couple of weeks we've been talking about where we've been talking about predestination. We started this journey by talking about predestination and just going through some fundamentals of predestination. We looked at scriptures in Ephesians, Romans 8, verses 28 and 29. We looked at Ephesians 1, verse 5, and Ephesians 1, verse 11. All those scriptures speak about predestination. And so we, we, um, predestination is a big subject, and we walked through that. And then we switched to Joseph, and we continued, we continued with the teaching on, on, on predestination, but through the eyes of Joseph, through the life of Joseph. And that's taken us about four weeks just to do that. Um, and if you've missed that, it's available, as you know, Mess was announcing earlier, it's available through our podcast platform. Um, we use Anchor. If you find LS, Livingstone's agency there, you're going to find those teachings. And they have been shared via WhatsApp. Um, and, and it's been absolutely commendable uh, you know, for the tech team to make those readily available early on in the week so that we would be able to listen to these things and refresh our hearts and, um, and souls. And so, and so um, as we conclude this today, so this is... 4th of December, imagine that. We're already in December. Next Sunday is 11th of December. We're going to be here hearing the testimony of the worship team. The Sunday of the 18th, of course, we're not here. We're at Pile's, and that's going to be our last Sunday for the year. Um, and so we thank God that he's been with us. As we conclude this predestination, I do want to conclude it by talking about predestination faith. Predestination faith. Um, and uh, we've kind of mentioned this in the teachings I want to focus on predestination faith this afternoon as we conclude this teaching on, on, on predestination. Predestination faith. And we're going to come to a time where we make, we make some declarations around, around this issue of predestination faith. What we believe in God for inside of our own lives in this journey of predestination. What is it that we are proclaiming and releasing in the, into the realm of the spirit? Um, as we believe God, as we conclude this year 2022. So predestination faith, let's say that together. Predestination faith. And that's a beautiful phrase. It's a beautiful concept, principle. Predestination faith. Predestination faith. And so if we want to start this, just as we start this off, we can define predestination faith 
as the conviction that you and I have that God has already worked out and secured the future of our lives. But that, that is, has happened in Christ. In Christ. And that's important. Predestination faith is the conviction that God has already worked out and that God has already secured the future of my life in Christ. You know, in Christ, I have what we call future security, which is the concept that God introduced to us. Future security. It feels like you could address you know, a city or a nation on future security. I think South Africa right now needs to grapple around future security issues because of what we are going through and all of the stuff that's coming through the news and sort of our uh, you know, sphere of politics. You know, everybody's concerned about the future. And inside of that time when people are concerned, God is talking to us about future security in Christ. That Christ is our universe. That's what we've been saying. Christ is our, and inside of that universe that is Christ, we're orbiting like, you know, like planets orbit around the universe. Uh, we're orbiting in Christ and we are sticking on our curved path. We are not deviating from that. So we have a future, we have future security in Christ. So predestination faith is the conviction, a conviction that no matter where I find myself, no matter what is happening around me, uh, no matter what is the nature of my socioeconomic circumstances and, and the issues that surround me, doesn't matter what is my present you know, day circumstances or the past from which I come, that if I stick and I keep my curved path in Christ, then I'm no, I know I'm guaranteed that my future is secured. And there's a whole bunch of scriptures that we've gone through in the last couple of Sundays that we're not going to go back to today. You can, can just go back and listen to the audios. But that's what predestination faith is all about. The conviction that God has already worked out. He has already. He's not catching up with life like you and I. We catch up with life, with, with life because we are human beings. But God has already worked out and secured a future for my life. But that is happening in Christ. You know, when we say in Christ, we mean that it is therefore important that I, I keep the discipline of obedience, of of, of working within the options that I have in Christ, that I can't move away from that. Because the moment I step out of the sphere of Christ, I no longer have future security. So Christ is my defined sphere of options and limits. I take my decisions and make my choices within the context that is Jesus Christ. If I deviate outside of the parameter of Jesus Christ, I do so at my own risk. There is no guarantee of a future if I do that. But predestination faith is the conviction that God has already, not that he's waiting to catch up with life, but has already worked out and secured the future of my life, including in all aspects of my life. In all aspects of my life, in my spiritual life, in my devotional life, in my friendship life, in my romantic life, in, 
in, in my vocational life, in all aspects of my life, I have a conviction that God has already worked out and secured the future of my life in Christ. In Christ means I, I need to stick within the limits, within the options that I have. I can't deviate. I can't walk or press beyond the boundary line that is Jesus Christ for my life. So I have future security in Christ. And as we go through this, I want us just to take it all in and, 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 uh, and just allow the Spirit of God to minister to us. Just take it all in, just consume it inside of your heart. So how many of us believe that, that, that God has already worked out a future? Yeah? And that future is in all aspects of your life, your spiritual life, your friendship life, your vocational life, your romantic life, your, you know, whatever aspect of life, your business life, everything, every detail has been worked out by God already. But that has, has happened in Christ, not according to my own ideas, Christ being my universe. We've said this, that all predestination faith means that all seasons of our lives are predetermined and grace pre-allocated for us to walk through spiritual and human conditions and to be victorious in the purposes of the Lord. There is not a season that takes God by surprise. He's not trying to catch up with shucks. I, I didn't see that that would happen to Robert. And let's see how we respond to that. He's not working like humans. He's not working like governments trying to respond to a pandemic. He, he's got it all considered. That's what Psalm 139 says. All the days of my life have been written and secured in your book. They have been considered by God. And so nothing takes him by surprise. Although the human story of, often begins in brokenness, and that's true, right? Everybody in all of our past, for all of us in our past, in our history, there's some brokenness, right? There's going to be some shame and some darkness. When we look back to where you come from, there will always be brokenness, shame, and darkness. We are conceived in sin. There was Psalm 51 verse 5 says, so, the human story begins in brokenness, in shame, and in darkness. But the future is the coming together of all elements in perfect harmony in the will of God. But that provided we are walking the journey of obedience. We've got to be walking the journey of obedience for that to happen. So, the human story, yes, begins in brokenness. The human story begins in shame. There will always be some brokenness, some shame, and some darkness in your life if you look at your past. But the future is about the coming together of all elements in perfect harmony in the will of God, provided you, that you and I are walking the journey of obedience. In other words, that harmonizing of elements is not guaranteed if we're walking in disobedience. The human story begins in brokenness but ends in perfect harmony in Christ. And that's what predestination is all about. The future, therefore, LSA, must be a future where we are healed. Yeah? It must be a future of redemption, of breakthrough, of wholeness, of reconciliation, of peace, and of maturity. 
That's the future that you and I are headed towards, provided that we are walking in obedience. These things are not guaranteed if we are disobeying God and, and dishonoring the word of the Lord. These things are not guaranteed. But if you and I are walking the journey of obedience, it is guaranteed that we are walking into a place of healing, a place of redemption, of breakthrough, of wholeness, of reconciliation, of peace, and of maturity, just like Joseph. We look at Joseph, right? His story begins in brokenness and darkness with, inside of the family, uh, family conflict and separation and brokenness and pain, but it does end in reconciliation and harmony. The beginning is not the true story of your life. The end is the end that is Jesus Christ. Your past and the issues that would have happened inside of your family upbringing is not the true story of your life. The end is, the end being the omega, the end is a person. The end is Christ. The end is Christ. The beginning, the chaos, the, the, the stuff that God redeemed you out of, the stuff that may have happened in your family when you were small, the stuff that you and I may have gone through as we grew up. That is not the true story. Brokenness and separation in the life of Joseph and conflict with his brothers was not his true story. How many of us know this? That it is in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 when he reconciles with his brothers that that becomes a reflection of his true story. That the true story of his life is that he's a prince among his brothers. He's not a man of separation and brokenness. He is ordained to be placed and to stand amidst his own brothers. That's the true story of Joseph. We often don't choose the beginning, right? We don't choose how it all begins. But in Christ, we have the power to choose how it all ends. And so there's no point for us to, to cry and keep crying about, about the beginning when we actually have the power to choose how it all ends. We can't keep on blaming somebody for our lives. We do have the power in Christ, in Christ, to choose how it all ends. You can choose a pathway that will lead you to peace and harmony. That when you release your last breath, you do so in peace and in harmony. No regrets inside of your life. Not Wishing like, God, you may grant me an opportunity to go and fix that situation and to, to, make, to make it right with that person. That you know, that you know that you've done everything that you could, yeah? To move life towards a place of the will of God. So we often don't choose the beginning. We fall into a set of circumstances as we pop out of the womb of our mother. We fall into brokenness. We don't choose that. But what we can choose is how it all ends. That's what predestination, is, predestination, uh, predestination faith is all about. And I say predestination faith must begin in the word of God. It begins in the promise of the Lord. It does not begin in positive thinking. It does not begin in the wishes, human wishes. Predestination faith must be activated by the things that the Lord has said to you and I. 
the promises of the Lord. Predestination faith begins in the word of God. It begins in the promise that God has released to you and I. We must go back to the prophetic record. We've got to go back to the prophetic record. And I want to read a bunch of scriptures that motiv- to motivate us as we conclude 2022 that we go back to the prophetic record. We go back to the prophetic record. We, we, you know, I was looking at Lonely's pictures on Facebook and thinking about the words of the Lord into her life. And, and how, God is, you know, how faithful is our God. That when those words were spoken, they were spoken amidst some difficulties and challenges. But look at how it all ends within a year. Look at how it all ends. We have to go back to the prophetic record. I want to read a bunch of scriptures for us to encourage us. You know, sometimes life can bash you proper. Properly to the point where (laughs) you you have no energy to even listen to the prophetic record. It's like, you and the prophetic record are north and south. It's like we don't even have the energy to listen. It's like God, whatever. <laughs> whatever you said. And we cannot be in that place, LSA. We've got to be in a place where we have the energy to listen to the prophetic record. What is it that God has said in your life? What are the prophecy, prophecies that you have received, or received over the years? What is it that God has spoken into your heart? What are the significant moments where God pulled you out and spoke some words into your heart? Have you recorded those things? And what do those those things now mean for you? This is the time to go back to the prophetic record because the prophetic record secures the future for us. The prophetic record is a true reflection of who we are, not the brokenness of our past. We can actually... Today, the word says, if you hear his voice, what must you do? Do not harden your heart. You have to have a response to what God is saying. So predestination faith is a journey or encourages us to go back to the word of of the Lord. Because that's where everything begins. Everything begins in the promise. Look at Abraham and his wife, Sarah. With all gynecological limitations and biological limitations and barrenness. Every doctor in town saying, your wife will not be able to conceive a baby. But against hope, Abraham believed in God, right? Because God spoke a word that there will be a son of the promise. There will be a son of the promise. And he stands in the power of that word against all odds, the word says. He believed in a God who could call things that were not as though they were. A creative God, a God who can create circumstances that don't exist today. It's like, man, you want to listen to Lonely's story. The God who creates circumstances to align life in accordance with his word. That's the God that we want to believe in. And so we want to go back to the prophetic record. What does the word of God say about the prophetic record? In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 to 11, I want to read just a bunch of scriptures around that, around the prophetic record. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 to 11, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven. It talks about this gravitational pull, this, this descending of resource from heaven. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and 
do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word. And so if you're a student of the word, you would then ask a question, how is your word, O God? And he would say, it is like rain that falls down, that descends, that will not return and go upwards. It has no reverse gear. Once that word is released, it is set in motion to activate a set and a bunch of circumstances. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. That word will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And as we read this, I want you to think about your prophecy. I want you to think about the word that we have received from the Lord. And God says his word does two things. Well, the word falls to the ground, making it bad and flourish to the ground of our lives and the ground of our hearts, making us bad and flourish. Once the word of God falls into your heart, it causes you to bad and to flourish. And it begins to yield, yield a bunch of stuff. And he says it will yield two things into your life. Well, if, if we want to put that in order in, and, and, and put the, in, in the order of impact of the word of God, the first thing that the word of God will do in your life is that it will release bread for the eater. In other words, it produces immediate resource to nourish you in your present circumstances. That's the first thing that that word will do. Because the word of God finds you surrounded by a set of conditions. And he says the first thing that that word is going to do is that it's going to release immediate resource to nourish you in your present circumstances. Then he says the second thing is that it yields seed for the sower. In other words, that word puts something in your hands. It activates you and I to initiate a long-term production process towards a future in God. Once that word is spoken, it, it, it puts something in our, in our hands. It puts a seed in our hands. Something that requires your partnership to plant in the ground. You can't plant with nothing. You need a seed, right? And the seed is the word that God speaks. You can't plant simply with your ideas. You know, you can try with your ideas. It simply does not work. You need a word from God. And once that word is released, it's going to first and foremost nourish you immediately. Bread for the eater. It's going to give you resources to consume in the now. But not only that, that word will give you a seed in your hands with which you can plant in the ground and activate processes towards a future in God. That is the word of God. And that's how the word of God is. As the rain and the snow have no reverse gear, but they move, they have a one directional flow. And they move with intent and purpose to produce something, to cause things to bud and to flourish. And to yield something for you and I. And that is the bread for the eater and the seed for the sower. The word of God arrived inside of Joseph's life at age 17. 
and launched him on a process until he was 30 years. The word of God is never spoken by God just simply for a short-term process. The word of God will take us through a decade and decades, second decade, third decade. Once God speaks, that word has no reverse gear. That word is moving us into a future. And that's what we embrace about the prophetic record. The prophetic record. Let's go back to the prophetic record. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12. The Lord said to me, you have sinned correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Here's what is happening, LSA. God is not watching that your ideas are fulfilled. God is not watching that your wishes are fulfilled. What is he watching? His word in your life. You know. So the sooner you step away from simply your ideas and your wishes and back to the word of God, then you find the watchman that is God. God becomes the watchman. Remember the, the metaphor of watchman guarding the city? God becomes the watchman, the protector of his word. The problem becomes when believers are stuck in their ideas and wishes. God is watching not the ideas of Robert. He's watching not the wishes of Robert. God is watching his word over Robert's life. The Lord said to me, you have sinned correctly, for I am watching. I am the watchman surrounding and protecting my word over, my life, over your life. And so if we want to partner with God, we don't just submit to him our ideas and wishes. If you want to partner with God in your life, you work with his word over your life. The Lord said to me, you have sinned correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. So a believer walking in the power of predestination faith knows that they must, the sooner they step away from their ideas, the sooner they step away from their wishes and align themselves with the word of God, that they will begin to experience the partnership of God inside of their own lives. Isaiah 46, verse 11, and we read the scripture in a couple of um, weeks um, and, and ago, and I'm just picking verse 11. God saying, what I have said, that will I bring about. I love that, right? What I've said. Not, not, not what you've thought. Not what you've wished. But what I have said, yeah? What I have said, that will, will I bring about. What I have planned, that will will I do? What I have said, not what you've wished, not, not what you prefer, but what God has said over your life, that God will bring about. That's what Isaiah 46 verse 11 says. For that reason, LSA, we've got to go back to the prophetic record. Isaiah 44 verses 24 um, and, uh, to 26, Isaiah 44 Verses 24 to 26. This is when God is giving, um, is setting the stage for the calling of Cyrus in Isaiah 45. And God says, I am the Lord, in verse 24 in Isaiah 44. I am the Lord who has made all these things, all things, who foils the signs of false prophets, who overthrows the learning of the wise, in verse 26, who carries out the words of his servants, and fulfills the predictions of his messengers. 
who says of Jerusalem, who says of LSA, it shall be inhabited. I am the Lord who has made all things, who foils the signs of false prophets, who overthrows the learning of the wise, who carries out the words of his servants, and who fulfills the predictions, not of your wishes, yeah? The predictions of the words of his messengers. And if God is in the business of fulfilling the predictions of his messengers, well, you and I want to focus on that. What have the messengers of the Lord said, said in my life? What has the word of the Lord been like in my life? What is my prophetic record? And so that's Jeremiah 1 verse 12. The Lord said, you have seen correctly, for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to this. I'm the watchman over my word. Isaiah 46 verse 11. What I have said, that will I bring about. Isaiah 44, you know, who carries, the Lord carries the words of his servants in verse 26 and fulfills the predictions of his messengers. Then we find the scripture. And I'm just reading these scriptures to motivate us, LSA, to go back to the prophetic record. In Numbers chapter 23, verses 11 to 20. In Numbers 23, verses 11 to 20, this is an interesting story of a guy called Balaam. He's been summoned by Balak or Balak uh, because Balak is scared and fearful of the marching Israel. And he needs a a, you know, a, a prophet to come and cast these people. And Balaam is the whole interesting prophet. <laughs> he's a prophet, but he's one interesting prophet. Balaam. He's summoned and he comes. And we pick the story from verse 11, Numbers chapter 23. Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I brought you to cast my enemies, but you have done nothing but bless them. So the story is that. As Balaam is summoned in the presence uh, of Balak to curse Israel, he opens his mouth and blessing comes through. It's an interesting story. And Balak is upset because of what Balaam has said. So that's where we pick the story from. What have you done, Balaam? I brought you to curse my enemies, but you have done nothing but bless them. In verse 12, Balaam answers, must I not speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? So guys grappling with being a prophet, a true prophet. Actually, interestingly, in the New Testament, is called a false prophet for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, and, and, but he says, he pushes back against Balak. He says, must I not speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? In verse 13, then Balak said to him, come with me to another place where you can see them. So it's almost like, the realm of darkness is trying to change angles to try and create another perspective, another narrative, to look for another opportunity to see if we can create a distorted, distorted narrative about these people. Come to me, Balak said, to another place. Let's, let me give you another angle at these, people, at these people. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'll be able to cast them. Come with me to another place where you can see them, you will see only a part, but not all of them. And from there, cast them for me. In verse 18, let's jump a couple of verses. In verse 18, 
arise. And so what happens is that Balaam goes and is obviously, he's a prophet, you know. He's seeking a word from God and he goes away, comes back. In verse 18, arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. In verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie. No, a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He says in verse 20, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. It's an interesting story. This prophet summoned by Balak to come and curse the people of God, the marching people of God, and he finds nothing in the mind of God but a blessing. But in the midst of that, in verse 19, would be our focus as we say, go back to the prophetic record, is that God, Balaam says, God is not a man that he should lie. Yeah, we believe that, did I say? No, a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God, in other words, will always fulfill his promises. He will always act upon that which he has spoken to us. Because he is not a man that he should lie. Nor a son of man that he should change his mind. God does not change his mind about what he has released to be the will of God. And Balaam concludes, uh, well, in what we're reading in verse 20, he says, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed. And because God has blessed, I cannot change it. Which means that the realm of divine will has supremacy over thoughts and wishes of man. It really does not matter what people think about you and I. Really what we want to concern ourselves, what does God think about you and I? What are the thoughts of God? Because the thoughts of God has, have supremacy over the thoughts of man and the wishes of man. We've got to go back to the prophetic record because God is not a man that he should lie. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 to 20, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 to 20, going back to the prophetic record, it says here, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. So we're finding an alignment in Hebrews 6 with what Balaam says in Numbers. It is impossible for God to lie. That we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. What a beautiful scripture that is. It talks to us about the unchanging nature of God, the consistency of God over time. That in the changing circumstances, in the changing conditions, God remains consistent. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can trust in walking with that God who is consistent over a long period of time. And it talks about how 
you know, he is, he's unchanging. He's, he's, he's consistent. It is impossible for God to lie. And so, therefore, we who have fled, that word fled means to flee away to some place of refuge. To flee away to some place of refuge. In other words, we've come out of danger and have fled into Christ. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us, offered to us, given to us through the prophetic word of God into our hearts. To take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. I know the anchor is that thing that they use, that piece of metal that they use for, to, to stabilize ships you know, by the harbor so that the winds will not cause a ship to have unintentional movement. Because unintended movement is a dangerous thing. That is the kind of movement that we've seen a lot inside of the last three years. It is the kind of movement that is caused by circumstances and the winds of life. And so it talks about the anchor. You don't see the anchor. You just see this massive ship stable. The anchor is invisible. The anchor is in your heart. The world does not see the anchor. So we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. As an anchor for the soul, which means that it stabilizes the inner man. It produces inside of us what we call psychological resilience in the midst of challenges and difficulties. How do people walk through the pandemic and be bashed by life in all, from all directions and still remain steady in Jesus? It is because of the anchor that is invisible. The anchor for the soul. It is because of psychological resilience that the world will not see. It is the hope that is in Jesus. It is his words over our lives. It is the anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. That anchor, that hope is beyond this realm. It is secured beyond human and demonic reach. It is in the most holy place. It is not you know, put in some safe somewhere here in this realm of, you know, you know, of, of the earth. It is, it is in a very, very safe place. And so if for some reason I find myself shaken, you know, moving with the winds, feeling unsafe, the issue is not the hope. The issue is me. I have moved from my place and from my position. Because the hope is secured in the most holy place. It is where Jesus is. It has entered on our, he has entered on our behalf where Jesus is. In the most, there is no demon from hell that reaches out for that thing. There is no human authority that can reach out for that thing. That thing is secured. It's secured in the presence of God. That is the anchor for our soul. Stability to the inner man and psychological resilience makes us firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus is. In other words, that hope is secured in the principle and realities of resurrection power. Ascended power. It is, it, is, it is in the realm of ascension 
where Jesus is. He has overcome the grave and death and has entered into the most holy place. That is where our hope is, LSA. It is secured in the realm of ascension, of resurrection power, of victory. It is sealed in the words, it is finished. It is protected by the power that is in the cross. And both through that power, the authority, the principalities have been disarmed. And they are being parodied. And Jesus is showing how he has overcome them. That is where our hope is. That is where our hope is. And so that hope is based on the promise that God speaks into our heart. Based on the word that God speaks into our heart. So God is unchanging. And it is impossible for God to lie. And we are people who have escaped, who have fled out of the dangers of this world. And have come to Jesus, to Christ. And he has offered us a hope, a new future. You and I had some future, some idea before, before Christ in your life. But now that we have Christ, we have a new future. A future security. That future security is in the most holy place. It flows out of the speaking of God. If things are shaken in my life, the issue is not the hope. The issue is me. And so I should pray the prayer, God help me to go back to my position. My position of faith, of belief, of prayer, of devotion. Because I need to, I need to walk in the power of your hope over my life, of your promises over my life. Second Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. Going back to the prophetic record. 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm just reading these bunch of scriptures for us to motivate us to go back to the prophetic record. Let's move away from our ideas and assumptions and wishes back to the word because God will partner only with his word. He won't partner with our ideas. He will partner only with his word. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. And we have the word of the prophets. We have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you'll do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns. Until the day dawns. Pay attention to it until the day you don't get tired to pay attention. In other words, if you get tired, you can do so at your own risk. You don't get tired to pay attention to the word of the Lord. You don't get tired to hold the word of the Lord inside of your own heart. You have to pay attention to that word until things break out. Until the day dawns. Until things break out. You've got to keep that word alive inside of your own heart. God's responsibility to speak the word into our heart, our responsibility is to keep his word alive inside of our own hearts. Until the day dawns. If you get tired along the way, it's your own issue. And so what should be your prayer? What should be my prayer? God, give me strength and grace to keep your word alive in my heart. Give me strength to never be cynical about the things you've spoken into my life. To remain hopeful and faith-filled and to remain fresh in my convictions. That should be our prayer. Because the responsibility of God is to speak the word. Our responsibility is to keep the word alive in our hearts. You will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a, in a dark place. So he's basically saying, when God speaks, you are in a dark place. 
that means a whole bunch of unfavorable conditions around you and I. But that inside of the darkness, we've got to pay attention to the one light, to the one lamp, to the thing that triggers hope inside of our own hearts until things break, until the day dawns. You don't set your own time frames, in other words. You walk with the time frames of God until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. In other words, you want to come to a place of starings where you are stared inside of your own heart, where the word of God becomes alive, where you feel that, yes, something happening inside of me. Yeah. Then he says, above all, in verse 20, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy had never had its origin in the will of man, but man spoke from God. Man spoke from that realm called the most holy place. A place of our anchoring. A place of our stability. As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, it says. And because of that, you and I are called by God to pay attention, not simply to the news, not to your ideas. Pay attention to the word. Pay attention to the prophetic record. Prophetic record, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 20 to 22. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 20 to, 20 to 22. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Then he says this, have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. That word successful means to push forward, to have energy and strength to push forward, to break forth, to come mightily. That word means to advance in power. It means to have victory, it means to fulfill a mission. So that word, to be successful, is not just understood in the context of material success. It's talking about a state of your heart, a state of your mind, the ability to push forward amidst challenges. Like Joseph, to be like a vine that grows over the walls. To push forward, to break forth, to come mightily, to advance in power, to have victory. And to fulfill a mission that has come from God. That's what Jehoshaphat says to these people. You shall have success, prosperity. And he means that. Then he says, after consulting the people in verse 21, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord. What we've just done here. Yeah? To sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the, uh, um, uh, at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord. So there was a song here. They mobilized a whole worship team. Give thanks to the Lord for his love and yours forever. And here's what happens. As these people focus on God, on the prophetic record, and on worship, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. 
who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. This is where we say the invaders were ambushed. The invader, usually it's the invaders who ambush, right? In this case, the invaders were ambushed. What did these people do? They focused on God, believe in the Lord your God. They focused on the prophetic record, and they began to worship God. And when they did that, like we've just done this afternoon, as we worshiped God and we felt a sense of victory, is that God went ahead of them and he ambushed the enemy and achieved for them and on their behalf conquest and victory. How beautiful is that? The invaders were ambushed. The invaders were ambushed. And that's where we want to find ourselves. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 20 to 22. In John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Back to the prophetic record. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of man. God is His Word. A Word from God is the manifestation of God in the context of our lives and times. When God speaks His Word into our people, when God speaks his word into our heart, he's really imparting himself into our lives. And when we focus on that word, it's a form of devotion in its own right to pay attention to the prophetic record. It's a way of honoring the Lord, of, devo of being devoted to him. When we neglect the prophetic word, we neglect God himself in our lives. God comes to his people by his word. He arrives inside of the lives of the people by his own word. A word from God is the manifestation of God himself because God and his word are one. A word from God is the manifestation of God himself in the context of my life and of my times. When I pay attention to the prophetic record, I am actually expressing devotion to God. I'm saying I honor the way that you want to show up inside of my own life. And that's a beautiful thing. Predestination is alignment of the future with the original plans of God. How would you like your future to be aligned to the original plans of God? Predestination is alignment of my future with the original plans of God. That's what predestination is. So we are falling into that which was always God's original plan for our lives, if we are walking in obedience. Predestination is alignment of the future with the original plans of God. With the original plans of God. As we walk into the future, life gets aligned. The more we are obedient, life is aligning itself according to the original plans of God. So therefore, we look to the future with hope. We're not scared. Amen. Because we know that things are aligning according to the original plans of God. Predestination means that we have a longing, LSA. That longing is not for the familiar past. That longing is for a future that is yet to be realized in God. That's what predestination means. Predestination means that we have a longing. Not for the familiar past, but for a future that is yet to be realized in God. 
And we are told about the people of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 13. All these people are still living by faith when they died. Important scripture there. All these people were living by faith when they died, which means that faith cannot be measured by the realization of material stuff. It is a state of being. They were living by faith when they died. They admitted, they, sorry, they, admit, they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are, long, they are looking for a country of their own. In verse 15, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. There's always opportunity to return, right? Return is return to a set of conditions, to arrangements. Instead, they were longing for a better country. We're longing for a better country, a, a set of conditions and arrangements that are better than what we ca we're coming out of. So the future LSA can't be you stepping back into what you ca came out of. Yeah, the dog returns to his vomit, right? That's what the word says. As we move into the future, we're moving into better conditions in God. Better arrangements in God. It's got to be better life in God. It's got to be better uh, marriage in God. It's got to be better family settings in God. It's got to be better, you know, men and women in God. But we do have the opportunity all the time to actually return. We don't want to return to the conditions from which we came. Because those conditions were not better. Predestination means that we have a longing. There's a longing in our heart. That longing is not for, for the familiar past. That longing is for, for a future that is yet to be realized in God. Predestination is the obedience-facilitated growth that moves us back to the original design of God for our lives. Predestination is the obedience-facilitated aging, if you like. You and I are aging. We're growing old, right? But it is the obedience facilitated aging or growth that moves us back to the original design of God for our lives. Because what is the natural process of human life? In the natural, life begins in chaos and ends in more? In more? Chaos. Look at people who are older than you who are not walking in Christ and look at the end of, of their lives. It's ending in more chaos. See, the spiritual process is that life begins in chaos, but ends in divine order in God. It ends in harmony in God. It ends in shalom in God. So predestination is the obedience-facilitated growth or aging. How am I growing old? That's the question here. I'm growing old by moving back to the original design of God for my life. I'm not growing old into more chaos in my life. Yeah. Predestination is the obedience facilitated growth that moves us back to the original design of God. Predestination is movement away from human chaos to the fullness of God. God's shalom and God's Sabbath rest. I wish shalom means peace, well-being, prosperity, security. We're moving into God's shalom if we're stepping into predestination. Peace, well-being, prosperity, and security. 
but we're also moving into God's Sabbath, which is rest from human effort and labor. Sabbath means life flowing out of the will of God and through human obedience. I am no longer striving by my own effort. God's Sabbath rest is to do life from a place of God's will and not of self-will. God's Sabbath rest is to obey that which has already been established by God for you instead of trying your own thing. So, LSA, we want to stop trying our own thing. Yeah? We want to find out what it is that God has established for my life and simply act on that. Because there's peace in doing that. There is there's shalom in doing that. God's Sabbath rest is what I pray over our lives. That's what predestination faith is all about. Predestination is moving away from human chaos to the fullness of God. God's shalom and God's Sabbath rest. God's Sabbath rest is to do life from a place of God's will and not of self-will. God's Sabbath rest is to obey that which has already been established by God for you instead of trying your own thing. So what is the secret mystery of life? Find out what is it that God has established for your life and do it. Yeah? Instead of trying your own thing. Victory, success, strength, you know, inspiration, uh, peace, shalom is located in that place where we go back to find out God, what have you established for me? And then I simply act on that. In that way, I am walking in what the Bible calls the Sabbath rest of God. The Sabbath rest of God. The Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest of God is not, Sabbath is not a, is not a day. Sabbath is a person. Sabbath is Jesus Christ, right? We are not in the old covenant of Moses. We are in the new covenant of grace, of God. And so we understand that Christ is our Sabbath. Yeah. Sabbath is not a day in the week for us. Christ is our Sabbath. Yeah. In Hebrews 4, verse 3, God's work has been finished since the creation of the world. In Hebrews 4, verse 3, God's work has been finished since the creation of the world. Instead of God's work, put your name there. Yeah? Robert has been finished since the creation of the world. And all that I need to do is to discover that Robert in the plans of God. And act on that. In that way, I am walking in God's Sabbath. I'm walking in, in God's Sabbath. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had began doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. The Sabbath you know, rest principle is a beautiful principle. In John 19, verse 30, as Jesus dies, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And that's the reality of our lives, the cross of the Lord Jesus. It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. You can put your name in there. You can put LSA in there. It is finished. Yeah. Mafa is finished in that act of death of Jesus Christ. Yeah? You know, Hadeb is finished in that, in that act of death of Jesus Christ. It is finished. And so what remains is for you and I to walk in the power of God's Sabbath rest. Isn't that beautiful life? Find out what God has established for your life and do it instead of trying to do your own thing. So NSA, 
This predestination business is the key that unlocks the new ecology. Remember God spoke to us about the new ecology? And so how God is placing things inside of the scheme of his plans for our lives is that he's saying to us, well, predestination is the key that unlocks that new ecology. New ecology being the newness of life and the newness of the mission of God post the pandemic. Predestination is the key that Jesus has given us in the realm of the spirit to unlock the new ecology. By predestination faith, we have access to the new ecology issues, to the inheritance of the Lord that he has for us post the pandemic. He's saying, well, post the pandemic, we're stepping back into the original plans of God. Don't be shocked by the trauma of the pandemic and all of the things that have happened. We are moving back to the original design of God. Jesus at some stage said, you know, God, I have kept all that was ordained for me. Yeah. He says, that which was not ordained for me, I have lost. So Jesus was at peace, right? With the things he lost in his, in his life. He understood that, you know, there was a predestination reality inside of that. All that you ordained for me to be able to keep, I have been able to keep. But that which was not ordained for me, has been lost. So Jesus is not trying to scratch his hands, trying to figure out, God, how do I redeem this? He understands that things are flowing in accordance with the will of God. And so as we conclude this, we make the proclamations of faith for ourselves. Because we understand now. Uh, we, have go, we have to go back to the prophetic record. We understand that predestination is the key that unlocks the new ecology. And so we make the proclamations that we have a future security in Jesus. Uh-huh. We have a future security in Jesus. Our days have been written in his book. As long as we remain obedient and faithful, God will secure our future beyond human and demonic reach. So we make a declaration as we conclude this 2022 that in Christ Jesus I have future Security. What kind of security? Future, Future security. That I, that's what I have in Christ. And Jesus exhorts us in Matthew 6, chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. I'm reading from the message translation. Don't hold treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by bugglers. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and bugglers. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be. And end up being. I, I like that. It's like, you're not only going to be there, you're going to end up being like that. You're going to end up being the very thing that you desire. So he says, stockpile stuff in heaven. Because in, in, in Christ, we have future security, and we declare that, LSA, that inside of our predestination faith, I have future security in Christ. And we want our sons and daughters declaring that for their future. I have future security in Christ. Things are aligning as long as I obey God. Circumstances are aligning 
according to his will and according to his purpose over my life. I have future security in Christ. What else do you want to declare inside of this predestination faith? That just like in the case of Joseph, God is able to take a broken past and facilitate reconciliation and restoration in his purposes. Yeah? And so I declare that the future is reconciliation. I declare that the future is restoration, that things are moving according to God is able to take out of brokenness and produce a mosaic art, a vessel in the future. And I declare that over my life. There is a mosaic of God in the future. My future is not brokenness. My future is healing. My future is broken pieces coming together to form a vessel in God. I declare that in the realm of spirit by predestination faith. What else do we want to declare, LSA? Is that regardless of where I am, regardless of where you are, God is able to unramp you back to his purposes. He is able to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Talks in the book of Joel about locusts who devour stuff in Joel chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And God promises in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, I can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And so I have a picture of a highway and God facilitating on ramping back into his purposes. Even where there may have been deviation, God is merciful if we seek him with all our hearts to bring us back. And he can restore the years stolen. He can restore the years lost. Regardless of where I am, regardless of where you are, God is able to unramp us Back to his purposes. He's able to unramp me. He's able to unramp you. Back to his purposes. That is the proclamation of predestination faith. And we believe that for ourselves. Amen. Predestination faith. Declarations. God can engraft a wild olive branch into a cultivated olive branch. Isn't that amazing? Romans chapter 11, verse 24. God is able to engraft a wild olive branch into a cultivated olive tree. God can facilitate preordained relational connections and partnerships way beyond human and cultural limitations. There were things that said the Jews and the Gentiles can simply not find harmony together. But God was able to do it. He can break all human and natural limitations to integrate you and I back in his purposes. That's our predestination faith declaration. Do you believe that? He can unramp you back. He can redeem the years stolen and eaten by the locusts. He can, he can engraft the, the wild olive uh, branch into a cultivated, a cultivated olive tree. He knows how to do that. We have a big metaphor of salvation through Jesus Christ and how God has facilitated the coming together of the Jews and Gentiles. How amazing is that? That God can engraft where it seems impossible. Amen? He can unramp back into the highway of his purpose where things have, had fallen apart. He can redeem the years stolen and eaten by the locusts. Almost as though you never had a loss. He can bring you back to that place. That's God. And that's the proclamation 
of our predestination faith that God wants to emit out of our own heart. God is able to convert darkness into light and to bring profit where there has been loss. He's able to do this. Only God can do this. No, no human being is able to do this. Only God can do this. He's able to convert darkness into light and to bring profit where there has been loss. In Psalm 18, verse 28, You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. In verse 29, With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. That's what the psalmist says. God can convert my darkness into light. He can bring profit where there has been lost. Because in Romans 8, 28, and we know, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works for the good. That word good means to profit. He can profit even in times of loss. Man, there has been loss in the last three years. But God can grant profit. He can convert darkness into light and bring profit where there has been lost. Do you believe that for your life? We believe that. We make proclamations inside of this meeting and we release these into the atmosphere in the realm of the spirit. God is able to remove cultural protocols and distortions to establish divine order in relationships in line with his future purpose and will. Because he did it for Manasseh and Ephraim in Genesis 48, verses 14 to 15. But Israel, or Jacob, reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head. Though he was the younger, and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed them in verse 15. He blessed Joseph in verse 20. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh as God. In other words, God is able to intervene even where things are aligned and lined up to flow according to, it, to a particular trajectory, a particular lineage. He can intervene and move things around. Do you believe that for yourself? To align them back to his purposes. There is no lineage of man that has supremacy of the purposes of God. You know, Joseph had his plans. He lined up the sons according to his plans, plans and according to pro, uh, cultural protocols. But Jacob, half blind, could discern and perceive the spirit, and he switched arms, and he blesses the younger son, and he sets him over the older son. So there's no cultural protocol. There's no lineage upon this earth. There is no organizational succession plan of men that interferes with the purposes of God. Do you believe that? You know, in other words, Joseph had his nice succession plan. He presented that before God. And God said, well, this is your nice plan that you've made over the years. But I have my plan. I have my succession plan. You know, Joseph had his own succession plan, and God had his own succession plan, and the plans were conflicting. In other words, God can, 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 can overwhelm even our best plans. Yeah? You know, there's times of time where humans feel great about my succession plan. 
organizations and churches and networks and all these things, God simply does not care. Things don't go according to the lineage of man. God has his own succession plan about the future purposes of God. And he switches the sons and he sets Ephraim over Manasseh. God has his own succession plan. We declare this, that God is able to remove cultural protocols and distortions to establish divine order in relationships in line with his future purposes. He has his own succession plan, and we trust in the Lord's succession plan. We do our part to discern that. We don't want to do the Joseph thing, right? To discern that and to align ourselves according to that. But God does have his own succession plan. What else do we declare? inside of this predestination faith. God is able to change spiritual order and life arrangements to facilitate his preordained eternal purposes. Note this, that Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. Priests only came from the tribe of Levi, but Jesus was ordained as high priest before time began. So the problem is that Jesus is ordained as high priest before time began. And yet he is from the tribe of Judah. And according to the arrangement of Moses, no priest ever comes from that tribe. So again, the structures of men are set. And this, the flows of succession set. The lineage is set. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. Priests can only come from the tribe of Levi. There is no way as long as the system of Moses stands that you're going to have a, a priest coming from the tribe of Judah. So how does God solve that problem? He simply changes the covenant. <laughs> he changes the covenant. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12, for when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also, do you hear this? There must also be a change of the law. He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said, there is, there is no prophetic pulse as far as men are concerned. Yeah? <laughs> that anything significant can come out of this camp. There is no prophetic pulse. Moses has said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear. If another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry. Yeah. You can't link this through a lineage, through organizational succession planning. That's what it basically means. You can't link this through lineage and through organizational succession planning. This is beyond succession planning. This is beyond the lineage of man. There is no... He, God overwhelms and he overtakes and he cancels the regulation of ancestry. But on the basis of the power of an indestructible life, it says in the next verse, God proclaims, you are the priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So really what matters is what is God saying in the earth today? It's not the flows of men. It's not the history of how the history has worked out. 
It's not the lineage. It's not the organizational succession plans and who is lined up like Joseph presenting his sons before Jacob. God will switch, simply switch the arms. Amen? And we won't know what happened there. I mean, this is prophetically profound. It cannot be explained beyond that. It is prophetically profound. It is what is happening really in the body of Jesus Christ right now. And it is profound. So to resolve the problem that Jesus was from the tribe of Judah, priests could only come from the tribe of Levi, but Jesus was ordained by God as high priest before time began, you know, we, we are looking at before time began plans of God. You know, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not picking this from 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago. We're picking on from time began. And God facilitates a change of covenant, a change of arrangement to facilitate Jesus being the high priest. Do we declare today that Jesus is the high priest? Yes, yes he is. And yet he's from the tribe of Judah. If you were a scholar of the law of Moses, like that was an impossibility. God changes covenants to facilitate his purposes. Do you see the power of predestination faith? Yeah. The power of predestination faith. Predestination is a key that unlocks the new ecology. Predestination can, faith is about, is, 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 our, is our faith in God to secure our future. To reconcile us. Our faith to reconcile us. To deal with the brokenness of, of the past and to bring things to so reconciliation and restoration. It is our faith that we, are, we can be unramped back to the purposes of God by God's mercies. Regardless of where we are. He is able to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. It is our faith that God can engraft Two very different plants can bring things that have different anatomy into a place of oneness. Can bring things that they say, you know, we and them can never walk together to a place of oneness. He's able to engraft. He's able to integrate things that look like impossible to integrate. That's God. He's able to convert my darkness into light. Man, I want God to convert my darkness into light. To bring profit where there has been loss. Amen. He's able to remove cultural protocols and distortions and succession plans in line with his purposes, as he did with Manasseh and Ephraim, who were changed to Ephraim and Manasseh. God can change covenants or arrangements to facilitate what has always been his. Before time began plans. And so we've got to, I feel like what God is saying to us, let's say, is that he's calling for people that can stand in the realm of the spirit as we conclude 2022 and look into 2023 with daring eyes. Like we have no limitation in our mind about what could be. Because we serve a God who can craft things with different you know, structures of anatomy. We, we serve God who can, who, can, who can mess up the succession plans of man. 
who can switch arms. We serve God who can reconcile broken pieces into a place of restoration and harmony. That's the kind of God that we serve. We serve a God who can change covenants to facilitate what was always been, what has always been the before time began plans of God. So we've got to stand in 2022, looking into 2023 with the eyes. God, what can you not do? That's predestination faith. It is bold, it is courageous. It flows out of the before time began dimensions of God. It does not line up with the how things have been. It does not deduce, it's not deducting from how are the last three decades looking like and based on that, let's work out the future. You can't tell in the body of Christ who are going to be the significant voices 10 years from now. It's not based on how things have been in the last 20 years. God in the spirit realm switch, simply switches arms to facilitate what has always been his before time began plans of God. There are people being prepared. As we read inside of that Isaiah, I summon a man from a distance from, you know, to come and fulfill my purpose. There are people being mobilized by God right now and being raised by God to be voices inside of his purpose. It's not going according to camps and succession plans and all of that. Cheers. And so actually, inside of this time, you want to stand inside of that fluidity of God. You want to stand at, at the crossroads, not because you are confused, but because you are watching the movements, yeah, of God and of the Spirit of God inside of His church, inside of your, inside of your own life. You, you have openness of heart. You know, you're not stuck within the defined parameters of the law of Moses. That things can only work this way. Nope. We have evidence in the word of God that God can change plans. He can interfere with, he can, he can, he can, he can overrun and, uh, you know, and, 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 and change the plans of man. Amen. That's predestination, predestination faith declarations and the thing we believe in God for. It is bold. It is courageous. It knows no impossibility or limitation. It understands the kind of God that we serve. Amen. Come on, let's stand and talk to God. Thank you, Jesus.